When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie. And the Oscar for the best Oscar moment goes to... Wait till I open the envelope. Will Smith. <laughs> oh my, oh my. Wasn't it just something else? Some people are saying, even Louise says, oh, it was a set-up, it was, you know, it was, it was arranged. I don't think so. I think it was absolutely, I believe it was absolutely real. My God, they're a ceremony that'll never be forgotten. And I'll tell you, the hosts and stand-up comedians might think twice about poking fun at somebody in the audience. Wow. And then he had to go back up, stand beside Chris Rock and accept his Oscar for Best uh, Actor. My, oh my, something else. Welcome to the show. Lots of guests and chat over the coming days ahead, beginning today. If you want to get in touch with us on Late Lunch, remember the usual number, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Now, housing, it never goes away, does it? As long as I'm alive, there's always been issues around housing, but more so in recent times. How do you get your foot on the property ladder if you're looking to for the first time? After the crash, the restrictions came in about borrowing. That was a big problem. Supply not there, demand rising, inflation now, all coming together. And the latest findings that a second-hand three-bedroom semi in County Louth has risen by 3.1% to 252,500 in the last three months. Houses are rising at €100 a day. We're going to talk about it for the next while uh, with people who know the story. One from Loud, one from me. I'm delighted to welcome to the show Lynn Liner. She's a senior valuer and negotiator with Gavigan REA in the Royal County. And Gabriel O'Brien is with REA O'Brien Collins in Loud. Welcome to the show, folks. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. Great to have you with us on the show this afternoon. Lynn, if I could begin with yourself for for a moment. I want to just uh, set the scene here. Um, new houses and new housing. The government keeps saying they're moving up, upwards, upwards, upwards all the time. There's more houses coming on stream. And it's my impression around Drogheda, especially on the north side where I live, there's a lot of schemes opening up, thousands of houses on the way. So... The, the supply is there. Is that fair to say, Lynn? Yeah, well, I suppose Gabriel is in Drogheda. Sorry, Lynn. Sorry, Lynn. You're in Mead. Yeah, that, I beg your pardon. What about, look, let's compare like with like, yeah. say Drogheda, where there's a lot of new houses and over with you. What's the the new housing scene over there? Is there an abundance as well? No, I would say that there's definitely a lack of new home developments in Navan at the moment. It is an issue. Um, and it's definitely one of the main solutions at present, you know, Um I suppose if new developments available for sale in Navan and Mead in general at the moment, there definitely is a massive lack of supply. Okay, okay. So you see a lack there. What about in the second-hand market? Um, you know, over the last few weeks, we have definitely witnessed a rise in available stock in the second-hand market. At the same time, the prices, you know, they're still increasing 
at all property ranges in the second-hand market at the moment. So I suppose from our perspective, we just feel if there was the balance of available new homes and second-hand, it mightn't be as manic price-wise at the moment. And when houses come available, existing stock, I take it there's a huge demand. There's lots of people looking to buy. So at the moment, and a good example of this is we just put a new three-bed semi on the market last week. Um, it went on the market at 275. Now, last week, we probably had close to 10 viewers on the property um, over two days. Now, if that was 12 months ago or even six months ago, we probably would have had 20 plus viewers on it. Now, mm. we still have got an offer of the asking price straight off on it of the 275. But I definitely feel, Jerry, there is probably a little bit more calmness in the market at the moment. It's not as manic as what it was six or 12 months ago. Do you put that down to the uncertainty at the moment in the world? Um, I don't know. I'd say it's a mix. I'd say, you know, you have genuine good buyers in the market at the moment. The prices are still being achieved. But absolutely, there is that uncertainty, I would imagine, with people at the moment. Now, Gabriel, my original question, I beg your pardon to you, um, about the my impression of what's happening in this neck of the woods in the south end of Loud. Lots of new houses. There are indeed, um, Jerry. Good afternoon to you. Yes, there are a number of competing new home schemes in the greater Drogheda area, both on the south side and the north side. And certainly you've got the whole area on the north side of Drogheda, which is the northern environs, typically stretching from the old uh, Dublin Belfast Road uh, eastwards to the Terman Fecken Road. All of that land is zoned for residential housing and indeed a number of schemes have already come out of the ground there. Um, we ourselves are involved with Lestoke Avenue and Lestoke Elms. And within, let's say, the last, the last year, the last 14 months, we've taken deposits there on probably 85 to 90 houses, mainly off the plans. So people are jumping straight away. There's no holding back. They want their foot on the property ladder and they're going in in the new house. Is there more of a demand for new homes from uh, first-time buyers than for second-hand homes? Um, I would say that there is. I mean, typically, typically they, they first-time buyer, Jerry, they're coming with their, their approval and principal mortgage letter. Uh, they want to buy an energy-efficient um, home. Um, for example, the houses we're selling are 8A2. Um, and there are new green mortgages out in the marketplace now there in the, with the financial institutions that will do special mortgage rates for houses that have got a B2 energy rating of that or, or better. So I think everybody, including the banks and the first-time buyers, are looking at energy efficiency. And we're also in an environment, as you know, in the economy of increasing um, energy costs and energy inflation. So people are looking at the initial buy, and they're also looking at the, let's say, the yearly cost of living in that home. Does that impact then in turn on the second-hand market in your neck of the woods? So what I would say, I'll give you a good, a good example of that. Um, um, all over the years, where you had the little doer-upper, um, let's say a little cottage mm. that, that needed a lot of work in town or, or maybe an end-of-terrace end of house or whatever, there used to be scrambling over each other, Jerry, to buy that. A lot of people bidding against each other and you get more than the asking price. What we've noticed now is that with uh, building, building materials inflation and building labour cost inflation, the people that are most interested in the doer-upper 
are not necessarily the, the end user that would go out and get a builder to do those works. It's actually the interest is coming from within the in the building trade themselves. So in other words, the people that can, you know, call can do some of the work themselves. Yes. And also call in some of their pals to do, let's say, plumbing and electricity. But that there isn't the um, extra layer of interest in it that there used to be. And are you seeing it calmer, as Lynn mentioned in County Meath? Is there a cam- more of a calmness about the market overall? There is. I think there's more of, um, I think it's a bit more measured. I think that pent-up demand that, that um, became evident um, during and immediately after the, the COVID lockdown, when, when the market opened up again, a lot of that pent-up, let's say, frustrated demand has been sorted in some shape or fashion. And now the market is more, I mean, I know prices are still increasing, don't get me wrong, Jerry, but the market is more measured and more considered. Would you, there was an old saying many years ago until the crash happened and then everybody wondered what it was about. It'll never be cheaper than today. What do you say to that? Oh, jeepers now, Jerry! why are you asking me that question? Um, I suppose what I'd say this to you is, I mean, and I, I put myself in the same category, um, Nobody ever thinks they've paid too much for their for their own home or whatever. But on balance, um, and we don't want to go through a recession like like we did again. That's not good for for anybody. But I mean, I think that on the basis that you do your sums and work out your repayments on the basis that you can afford it, you afford your mortgage repayments, and you stress test that to maybe, let's say, a percentage or two mortgage increase. And if you can afford to do that, um, I would still say that on balance, that's the best thing to do because rents are at an all-time high as well. And often, over the course of a 30- or 35-year mortgage, your mortgage repayments on, on a house are less than the market rent for that same house. Interesting indeed. Lynn, back to you. What about the whole area of apartments and landlords as well, In, in besides apartment houses? What are you seeing with that? There's, you know, you're hearing that landlords are taking flight from the market, the accidental landlord that maybe bought one place during the boom or two. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I would say that landlords exiting the market... They probably accounted for, I'd say, over 50% of our second-hand sales over the last 12 months in our office. Um, anybody who talked to potential sales, a lot of them are landlords looking to get out of the market. I, the rents are strong, but again, there's a number of taxes and different things like that, that that are payable on it. So that's a huge market for us at the moment, is, is landlords exiting the market. And is there more demand, I've heard this too, since lockdown, where people say we're working from home and they needed a, an outlet where they live, e.g. even a small back garden or somewhere like that. Has that turned the, the, uh, the attention more towards the house rather than the apartment? Not really, to be honest with you. Um, we haven't witnessed that. Now, what I will say is Navan is obviously close to Dublin and it's easy commute and stuff like that. Mm. So I would say we've more found that a lot of our buyers are now back to coming from North County, Dublin, even, you know, the likes of Dunboyne, Clonee. They just get so much more for their money in Navan at the moment as opposed to those areas. So we would more see that as a result from COVID more so than apartments. But apartments, the, the market for apartments at the moment is definitely strong also. That's good to hear, yeah, that that's so it's, uh, there's demand there as well. What about over in the Wee County, Gabriel? 
Well, look, there there is um, there there is demand for apartments, but from a purchase point of view, they need to be priced um, very competitively. And um, owner occupiers, potential homeowners, let's say, Jerry, are looking as well at what annual management charge they're they're buying into in a in a mm. particular scheme. Now, just come back to your question about working from home. Certainly, one of the first questions, if you're looking at a let's say a country or a, sorry a a a property outside of the town, one of the first questions we're asked about is broadband con- connectivity. Um, that really is, that working from home is, I think, here to stay. And certainly, if people want to commute in and out of Dublin one or two days a week via, you know, via the train or the motorway or Matthews bus or whatever, it's still very doable. Okay, so broadband is a big requirement. What about that green energy thing you're talking about and the the rating of all new homes now? It's far superior when it comes to environmental matters than homes of yesteryear. That's another uh, convincing factor for people to go down that road for the new. Yes, absolutely, Jerry. You've hit the nail on the head after broadband connectivity, or maybe not necessarily after, but in, it could be before either, depend, depending on the particular requirement. But you're asked about the energy efficiency. And I think when somebody's buying a new home, which is a guaranteed energy rating of um, either A3 or A2, for example, if it's earth-water heat pump, people are, are able to budget within reason as to affordability of, in terms of what they can um, expect to outlay on their energy costs over a given period. And really, you know, they can be driving home from work, Terry, and on the phone they can put the, put the heating on, you know, or, yes. the, or the cooker on. Like, it's a very, a very efficient way of living. If they could only get someone to cook the dinner off of them, <laughs> it'd be the it'd be the whole hog. That but I hear I hear what you're saying. You you you. It's the long term and everything. The long term as regards your mortgage. The long term yeah. as regards energy or broadband. You have to take the longer uh, look at the longer game. Yeah, and Jerry, what I would say to you is that what we're noticing is that um, people are buying their their home for keeps. People, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, Mm. there was an aspiration that, you know, you'd buy a three-bed semi or a three-bed townhouse, but you might trade up to the four-bed detached, you know, in the edge of town or out in the country. I don't see that. I I see a distinct change in the marketplace. People are buying, let's say, the the three-bed with with perhaps room for an attic conversion at a later date or a four-bed semi. And I think on balance, people are seeing this as their forever home and that they're going to live out of for their next generation or so. Yeah, interesting. And just uh, one other thing, we heard Lynn mentioning there that a lot of our buyers are moving in from, you know, uh, the uh, Dublin region or, you know, close to Meath border there. W- where are your buyers typically from in, in Louth? So t- typically we would have had, or let's say traditionally, we would have had um, buyers coming from, you know, uh, North County Dublin into North Dublin. So maybe maybe neighbourhoods like Rohini, Calester, Drumcondra, what have you. But what's very interesting, Jerry, what we've noticed ourselves in this office, in, in our new home scheme on the Ballymichenny Road in Drogheda, I would say out of the last 10 sales, um, half of the sales have come from, from people who are renting on the south side of Dublin. And that is Dunleary, Black Rock, and even on the border with Wicklow. And often what you have there in those, in those instances, what we've, what we've also noticed is there could be in the healthcare 
um, industry, healthcare profession, mm. and they're looking, perha- looking perhaps to transfer to Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital. So that regional hospital in Drogheda has um, very much uh, a positive impact on property values on the north side of Drogheda. Mm, interesting. Lynn, what about that whole area of, I mentioned it a few moments ago, uncertainty in the world with the war in Ukraine, etc. Are you concerned about that? Are you concerned? I dare I mention the word, you know, we're, we're, are we going to see, we're not going to see another crash, are we? No, well, I, we're very positive here in the office and, you know, even our vendors, our buyers, you know, it, it is still very positive at the moment. The rental market in Navan at the moment, like it just doesn't make sense for someone to rent a property as opposed to buy in the secondhand market at the moment. So, and I think people realise that. Um, like the average rent of a three bed semi in Navan could be fourteen, fifteen hundred per mm. month. So, if if you're looking at a mortgage of that, like it's probably not even going to cost you that per month. So, I think from buyers' perspective at the moment, they're still very much looking to get on the property market. Nobody has said to us directly that they're not not buying or they're not looking anymore because of you know what's yes. going on in Ukraine at the moment so at the moment it doesn't seem to be a, fa- a factor for buyers thankfully. Mm. What you mentioned there that you had a, what a three bedroom semi on the market you've got the asking price you'd want a 10 viewings or whatever on asking prices what could a bidder expect to pay above an, a- an asking price does it go much above it? No, not really. Like we always have the the one case in the office where it might go twenty, thirty thousand above the asking. But at the moment, I would say like that that property is on the market at two seven five. If it goes to two eighty or two eight two, that would definitely be you know great, and the vendor would be delighted. But they're they're all going at the asking price, or maybe just slightly over it. There's there's you know there's not anything going twenty twenty five percent above. So on average, probably in around five percent, I would say. Different in the new house uh, development where the prices are fixed. Is, it, exactly. is that is that better from your perspective from an estate agent? Or how do you feel about, uh, you know, the existing property versus the new? Is that for me, Jerry? Yeah, go on, Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Yeah, look, look. I, I think um, I think the buyers respond very favourably to that because they they know uh, the first day, Jerry, they pick up the phone or send in an email inquiry. They know that the price is let's mm. say three hundred thousand, three hundred and twenty-five. They know that there's no, that as long as that house is available, that's the price. And once they make a commitment and pay a deposit or whatever, then you know there's 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 no going back uh, on that from price point of view, unless for some personal reason they need to change their mind. So I think what we we've certainly witnessed is that people who phone up and are in the new homes market they know that the price is the price is the price. Price is set to continue in the short to medium term, Gabriel? I possibly would think so. Like, we've seen quite a big increase in County Louth in the second-hand um, residential mm. market over the, over the last year. I would, I would like to think that a lot of that big increase has already taken, taken place because some of that w- was, um, was based on, you know, working through and living through COVID and there not being enough supply and being and a pent up demand. But we think now we're as as I think myself and Lynn said earlier, the market is a bit more considered, a bit more measured 
and that from a let's say a second hand um, property price point of view we would expect to see increases but that there would be at the more modest end of the scale. We're going to leave it there today. Thank you both for joining me. Lynn Liner from uh, OREA Gavigan in County Meath and Gabriel O'Brien, OREA O'Brien Collins in the Week County. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you. Take Jerry. care now. Bye bye. Bye bye. There you have it. That's what the expectations are. That's the way the land lies at the moment. Interesting. Lack of new house supply in Mead. Plenty. There's ample. That north side of Drogheda. Oh my God. Thousands and thousands of houses uh, going in there uh, in the not too distant future. All we need is the Northern Cross route to make it viable, successful, safe and people not getting frustrated would not being able to get in or out of the place. Get it done, please. Jerry, we have a mother's home on the market for sale. The buyer put a 25,000 deposit on it, <coughs> excuse me, and then said they were looking at another property. Is there anything we can do as vendors? Not a thing. They can pull out up till nearly the last minute if they don't want to buy it, to be honest with you. And that is the way it works. Uh, and the listener says nobody else looking at it at the moment. There you go. Um, Jerry, what a great achievement uh, for Mickey Hart and Loud. Well done to the Wee County. Promoted uh, to Division 2 for next year. Oh, what a division that's going to be with Dublin, Meath, Loud and Kildare all in there. And it is a fantastic achievement. I will remind you, Colin Kelly did the very same with Loud. Took them from 4 to 3 and 3 to two two seasons in a row very recently but there's a great lift in the county and real hope now that they can get in there and establish themselves it's going to be a really competitive division but well done to all concerned it is a great achievement you were late lunch on LMFM radio coming up shortly former Miss Ireland Chelsea Farrell had an emergency visit to hospital recently and she's going to tell us all about it she's been a very good friend of ours on late lunch from the time she became Miss Ireland and in fact before it as well and she's been with us on many occasions since and she's back on late lunch today for a particular reason. Chelsea Farrell, hello again. Hello Jerry. how are you keeping? I'm good. Well I got a message from your mammy a few weeks ago <laughs> to say a prayer for you and I, I I, did I, I tell you one thing I, 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 and I asked the question what's up she's oh emergency, emergency and all I did was pray and thank God uh, she was back to me then the next day to say all okay. Yes, um, your look, prayers work, Jerry. Yes, prayer. I honestly believe it does. But listen, yeah. the, everyone knows you are training to be a, a midwife. You're in the the health system yourself. Little did you think you'd be rushed in for an emergency procedure. Tell our I listeners know. what happened. So I actually had no idea that I was. I knew I was going to have to have surgery eventually, but I didn't think it'd be in these circumstances. So um, basically, I've suffered for years, um, Jerry, with my reproductive system. And my ovaries, I had one ovary that had a large dermite cyst on it. And then my other ovary was queried polycystic. And then I had endometriosis as well. But the major concern was the larger cyst on my right ovary. And then I got a pain in college a few weeks ago and I knew it was a new pain. It was, I'm always in pain with it, but I knew this pain was very, very new and nothing like I had before. And thankfully, I did go in and get seen, very hesitant to go in, but I went in and Two days later, I was lying on an operating bed. This had been planned, though, hadn't it, with your consultant for later in the year? Yeah, so initially we had planned to do a surgery, hopefully later on in the year, because with the type of cyst that I had, there was no way it was ever going to go away on its own. It was only going to keep growing, and my symptoms were only going to get more severe. And it is quite a dangerous cyst, but unfortunately, it had actually caused my ovary to twist on itself, which is called ovarian torsion, and it cuts off the blood supply to your ovary. So my ovary was dying. 
So that's why we were rushed to theatre to try and save it. My, oh my, emergency is right. And you went through the procedure that was planned sooner than you thought and you've come out the other side. How are you now? Yeah, I'm okay now. You know, at the end of the day, I'm just so grateful that I had the team I had and that they could do it there and then. And I didn't leave it any later to go in because it could have been a lot worse. Um, And obviously it wasn't ideal because the timing of it wasn't really what I was expecting because I'm missing out on college and stuff. Um, but I'm recovering quite well. I'm recovering a little bit slower than I expected, but I'm doing okay. You posted the pictures, you know, of you uh, post-surgery and that, and it's quite a different Chelsea to the normal yeah. Chelsea we see yeah. on social media. I'd say, you know, it, 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 it took a lot of people, it took a lot of people by surprise. Yeah, it really did. And I was lying one of the days in the hospital and I was in so much pain and I was looking online myself and I realised there's no one online that's talking about these things. Like us women are left in the dark about these issues and so many women struggle. So I said, you know what? I'm going to put the message out there and let women know that they're not the only ones going through it and show them the reality of it because I wasn't lying there all glam with a ball gown on me, Jerry. <laughs> I was in a bad, bad way and I'll admit that. And I did try and be as honest as I could on social media and I got quite a shock because I think at the moment it's reached over 300,000 people, which is crazy to think they're all seeing me standing in the mirror all bandaged up but I got the message out there and to raise awareness on something like this is so important because it's something that's not spoken about enough yeah good on you and and, and that's what it has achieved a huge reaction to it but like when I think of you from I met you back whenever a few years ago and you've been living with this you've been living with you know abdominal pain random bleeds your your cycle all over the place as well yeah, which is kind of the, psychologically, it's quite tough. And anyone who's suffering with endometriosis, with PCOS, whatever it may be, they'll agree with me on this, that it just takes over your life. Like your everyday today events or anything you're doing, whether it be work, college, school, your whole life is consumed by the pain, by the bleeds, by the other symptoms, the bloating. There's so many symptoms that come along with it. And for years, I viewed it all as being normal. And I kind of just suffered, but I suffered in silence. And it's only now that I'm realising, God, if I had gotten checked five years earlier, you know, I could have been in a much better position. And so the symptoms are quite severe. And something that I would say to any woman or any girl that's listening, if you have any symptoms, like, for example, really painful periods, it's not normal. So definitely go and get checked because you don't have to suffer. You are the supreme actress may I say that you never <laughs> never for one minute I, I, I say and I'm sure uh, all the people you've come across did you let your guard down or, or show this you had to put on a performance I'm sure there were days you were in excruciating pain yeah there was days you know especially around the time of the month there were days that I would be in absolute agony but to be honest I was just so used to it that it was just normal to me and I just have to get on with it. I couldn't lie at home in bed. I couldn't, mm. you know, I the way I looked at it, I was like, I'm a woman, I just have to get on with it and that's the way a lot of people look at it. Um, but yeah, there was sometimes, you know, if I was at events, I just felt like rubbish. There are times where I was really, really bloated and, you know, people, I actually had a woman when I was in A&E ask me, was I with child? And I was like, there you go. <laughs> you know, mm. people presuming that you're pregnant when yes. in actual fact, it's just a flare-up. So there's times like that that you just have to choose your outfits wisely and put on a brave face and hope for the best. My God, you did that for sure, uh, days, uh, months, and and, and year, years on on end. N- what? Where are you now? Like I, I asked you, how you were. W- what's your prognosis now? Are you sorted out? So I don't really know yet. So I have to go back for a checkup in a few weeks' time, and hopefully that will tell all about what they found exactly when they went in, what they see. Now I know they removed the cyst and they removed the endometriosis. So I'll get more of a 
serious diagnosis, I think, when I go back to my next checkup. But obviously, it's too early to tell if my symptoms have disappeared because I'm still in pain with my scars and stuff. Mm. Um, but I'm hoping that I've turned a corner and that it's done something. I know it's not going to fix me, and a lot of these surgeries, they only kind of fix the problem for a short length of time, but anything's better than nothing. Oh, for sure. And of course, I, I'm sure it crossed your mind. We're in an area talking about the future and perhaps children. Do you think about that? Yeah, all the time, Jerry. And it's something before I had this surgery, it was something that was a huge concern of mine. And it still is a big concern because I don't know what's coming down the line. Because obviously when you suffer with endometriosis and with this, the, high, the likelihood of them coming back is very, very high. So when it comes to fertility, it is something that I'm always thinking about and something that's always in the back of my mind. But I've taught myself to just worry about what's going on at the minute and we'll cross the rest of the bridges when we come to them. Ah, That's a a great attitude and a great way to to look at it. In terms of studies and the midwifery, are you off at the moment or or what? Yeah, so I've had to take a few weeks break just to recover because obviously when I'm like, I couldn't be driving and when I'm in college, it's a bit too intense walking around and stuff. Um, But I'm due to go out on placement next week, so I'm hoping that um, I'm fit enough to go back into the hospital from next Monday. um, But I'm just going to play it by ear and see how I'm feeling. What about your huge following on social media? They'll be looking (laughs) to you because besides the midwifery, you're a great woman for this, that and the other when it comes to promoting. Is is that on on the back burner at the moment too? so I did. Obviously, I couldn't do it when I was in hospital, but I did last week. I had one really good day and I got dolled up. I did my hair and I did about three weeks worth of content to keep all the Instagram people happy so I've loads of content raring to go and um, so I did it all in one day so I didn't have to put too much pressure on myself but I'm back in full swing on there Jerry. Oh, good good on you and well done again for uh, being so honest about this and bringing it into the public forum because there are obviously hundreds and thousands of women yeah. suffering in silence. Yeah, like one in a hundred women will suffer with these conditions in their lifetime and the majority of women are afraid that they're not going to be heard. They're afraid that people are going to think they're being dramatic and they just ignore all these signs and symptoms. But the way I look at it, you shouldn't be in pain. You shouldn't be bleeding. These symptoms are not normal and you need to listen to your body and get checked because you don't want to ignore it for 30 years and then wake up one day and have bigger problems when it comes to having children or whatever it may be and you're going to walk into disaster. So definitely you need to listen to your body as soon as the symptoms arise and not ignore it for years and years. Well, listen, it's great to catch up with you today. You're always so kind to us. You always take our calls. You always talk. And I wish you well with your recovery. And again, well done for highlighting this matter. Thank you, Derry. Thanks indeed. That's Chelsea Farrell there, a former Miss Ireland. Endometriosis endometriosis is a big issue and she's been great. And she has had a huge reaction to her posting, her story and the pictures of how she's been uh, when she was rushed in, uh, surgery, post-surgery, etc. But don't suffer in silence. That's the message today. Now... I have a very special birthday request on this Monday. It's for Siobhan Reynolds, who resides in the wonderful Clower Head. She's 21 today. She gets the keys of the house. I'm sure she had them before now. And uh, from Mum and Dad, they want to say, Happy birthday, Princess. We love you millions. And we want you to have your best day ever today. So, for Siobhan Reynolds, from Mum and Dad and all your family and friends... They particularly want this song for you and here's a beautiful version by Jasmine Thompson. You are my sunshine My only sunshine You make me happy 
Brilliant, isn't it? Yes, special quest this afternoon for Siobhan Reynolds, who's 21 today from your mum and dad and all the family. You Are My Sunshine by Jasmine Thompson. Jerry, I had the pleasure to meet Chelsea in Drogheda. She's an absolutely lovely girl, says Laura, and I'm glad to hear she's doing well after the emergency. Thanks indeed. Keep your messages coming to us 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text this Monday afternoon. We're back in a moment with Burke's Banter. Nothing happened on April the 30th, 1930. There were no invasions, no worldwide pandemics, no electoral heaves, not even a completely above-board golf prize-giving in a hotel function room. Petrol was affordable, and Samuel Beckett was settling into his new pad in Paris. Later that year, Mayo County Council would get into hot water for refusing to appoint a Protestant as the county librarian. But that particular Wednesday in April was such a slow news day, a BBC announcer declared, There is no news. Just imagine. A complete day when flip all happened. The luxury of it. I think we could all do with a dreary and dull, blood-slowing and mindless, tedious day. To have the opportunity to pull over in the hard shoulder of life, move the car seat back and sit quietly for a while, listening to Ronan Collins wish Fidelma and Kells a happy retirement. Taking a little break from the chaos. Because wouldn't you be worn out living in unprecedented times? Just when we were only slowly, gingerly, carefully lowering our face masks and taking the first tentative breaths of relative freedom, a destructive and horrifying war breaks out in Europe. This on the back of the Trump soap opera, the resurgence of the Taliban and falling out with the neighbours over Brexit. If life imitates art, then why is life determined to only copy really awful Hollywood movies? We're only just recovering from the deadly bat virus takes over the world and the record-breaking trilogy that was Lockdown, Lockdown Part 2, and Lockdown. This time, it's a bit more vague. We don't need a real-life Bond villain, sitting behind a ridiculous golden table, sporting bad plastic surgery, and a grudge that's been growing since Perestroika. Why couldn't we have copied more peaceful and joyful art? The Impressionists had some lovely stuff. I'd love to see Tony Connolly reporting from a scenic bridge in Termenfecken, explaining how the whole of Louth has decided to channel Renoir into their daily lives. And to be fair to him, I think Tony would appreciate the change of pace. But here we are, trapped underneath the ancient Chinese curse of living in interesting times. At a point in history when we can double the price of the car just by filling the tank with petrol, and the Burke's electricity bill was €849. Euro. In the grand scheme of things, I greatly appreciate there are bigger problems in the world, but I still feel like wrapping a roll of Gartha crime scene tape around the tumble dryer. There is a universal principle of good government, which should be remembered in times of crisis. That is, protect the institutions. In other words, when everything seems to be falling apart, remember who you are and what you stand for. You can do nothing else. So we carry on. The ESB bill will be paid. 
we have donated to the Polish Red Cross. We will continue to wear our masks and I will cut down on the number of hours I spend crying in front of the news. If a young mother in Kiev can wave goodbye to her husband and carry two toddlers over the Polish border, then I can cut myself on. Unsurprisingly, the ancient know-it-all Nostradamus predicted this current cascade of worldwide upheaval. However, and I'm sure it'll comfort you as much as it did me, he also added that once we get through it, we'll have 1,000 years of peace. We're a long way off having President Zelensky as Grand Marshal of the St. Patrick's Day Parade. But one day, hopefully, that will be the only thing that will make the news. Ah, Sinead Burke, brilliant as always, on the money. You laughed, miss, when you heard her mention tumble dryer. It's so true. The guard the tape over the tumble dryer. It's like, don't touch that tumble dryer. Go on, blow on it, sit in your shirt, anything, but don't use the tumble dryer. Do you know something? This is something... (laughs) <laughs> it's a very important message from you and from Sinead as well. When the weather's good, hang the clothes out on the line. Hang the washing out. You know what I mean? There's no need. Some people resort to the tumble dryer all the time. You know that? Yeah, yeah, I do. All year round. Mm. But wait your days and hang it out in the good weather. Mind you, I heard a rumour has the drone spotted you in your back garden last week and you were almost blown away. Is that true? <laughs> Would that be true? It- could well have been. Yeah, yeah. I think there's drone yeah. footage of you struggling, b- battling, battling, hanging on to the line <laughs> in the wind. You know what I mean? There's everything. <laughs> I'm getting like my mother, though. You're right. If it's if it is a breezy day, it's like great, great weather for yeah. dying. Yeah. Oh, listen, you have to watch it. I remember years ago, as an aside, my late dad, Brendan, and mm. um, he recycling I told you this before he was the first incinerator in Ireland I think because he burned everything I think that generation did burn everything mm. paying for bins wheelie, wheelie bins are you joking he had the me? barrel out the back oh my well I tell you he used to look <laughs> out and he'd look down the road and up the road anyone with the washing out today if there wasn't a sign whoomp up she'd go and burn everything at that stage fairness at least he looked and saw oh he did look see ah, yeah, no. washing out Jesus like if you had clothes like now yeah, and he set clothes? fire to the thing <laughs> and the smoke smoke damaged clothing then you'd have on your on your, on your line at the back but uh, anyway Sinead she's brilliant she's always on the money isn't she she really is Audrey Mohan's been in touch with me to say that uh our chat with Chelsea Farrell you know rang so many bells with her too and so many women I'd say you know Louise you probably heard this uh, yep. in your time you know the people have lived with uh, endometriosis, endometriosis. Yeah, and it's, it's not often talked about no it's not often, it is often talked about painful. Yeah, it's and very dangerous big big issue remember we talked to Theresa Handley last week about the uh, uh, the uh, Stabannon draw they oh, were yeah. doing for the wedding well did you hear that Mr Paddy McDonald from RD won the wedding 20,000 and second prize 3,500 went to Ty Carney from Kilcern and 1,500 euro to Jason Finley from RD well done to all the winners yeah. there match made in heaven boom um, boom match <laughs> Paddy good luck to you at the wedding anyway 20 grand at the wedding he has the option there Jerry, the madness of the Oscars. I didn't agree with what Chris Rock said. He was rude, not funny. But thought Will could have used his words, not violence, to send a worldwide message, especially in the current climate. What do you think of that? You saw what happened yourself. Yeah, and like that you said earlier, I did question it at the start. I thought, oh, is this staged? But it looks like it wasn't. Ah, no. No, no, he took umbrage for sure to what he mm. said about it. He laughed initially, then the penny dropped. I don't know, but if you're standing, you're sitting there beside your wife or your family mm. member and there somebody is, you know, saying something hurtful to them yeah. in front of millions. Yes. I mean, you have to do something. Oh, you he did. You can't just 
you have to admire Will Smith. He yeah. did. It's like those keyboard warriors who are unseen and insult mm. and say what they like about people and destroy people. Wouldn't you love to do a Will Smith in them? Wouldn't <laughs> you love to face them up and punch punch them in then the lights? Then maybe violence wasn't the answer, but he had to do something. He couldn't just sit back and you no. Know, God Almighty! Somebody was ripping apart his yeah, wife. Absolutely, he and wasn't having she, it. She shaved her head off because she'd alopecia. Yeah. So what about people who suffer with alopecia? And now look at comedy is very pointed at times, mm. and you know, and it does take the you know what out, out, out of stuff. But uh, yeah, you know, it's a different take on it, and I understand that some of the academy now want him disciplined or even chucked out. Others say, well, you know. He felt it and he went and he acted upon it as well. I'd Chris say, Rock shouldn't have said it in the first I'd place, say, maybe. I'd say Chris Rock and all stand-ups and people hosting those events will be thinking in future who's in the audience. I better not have a poke Get at Peter them Peter Kay tonight. to host it next year. <laughs> oh, sure, Ricky Gervais. Jesus, he was brilliant. He took the... He, he, <laughs> he never got slapped I'd say Ricky. If Ricky saw anyone coming, he'd run. <laughs> the host wouldn't be there to continue with the show, that's for sure. Coming up shortly on Late Lunch, Harry Toy... He's originally from the Bogside in Derry, has written a new book about the 70s there and the troubles. He'll be chatting to us in a wee while, but heading towards our next break, next break, get your teeth right, next break on Late Lunch. It's Tiffany taking us there. Here we go. My next guest moved from Northern Ireland to the south here and he lives in Laytown in County Meath almost 30 years ago. He was born in the Bogside in Derry and uh, through his life he's been interested in writing and poetry etc. But during lockdown he sat down and he's written his first full-length book. It's a frenetic tale of the 70s in Northern Ireland. Bombings, bullets, hair-raising car chases... And and across the divide, I mean, religious and sectarian love triangle. The name of the book is Veil of Deception, and its author, Harry Toy, joins me. Hello, Harry. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for taking our call today. Let me ask you, this is very important to me now, and I'm sure listeners to find out, is the book based on real people and real events? Well, it's a fiction novel. I'll tell you, the technical term is called Roman Eclef. Yeah, Roman Eclef. And that means events that happened, people, but, but it's changed. The names are changed. The events are changed. And I suppose everything that's in the book happened somewhere. Mm, so that's, it is uh, what was unfolding uh, uh, during those terrible years in your hometown of Derry. From your own point of view, you were shot at, hijacked, kidnapped and went close with uh, bomb alerts, etc. All that was part and parcel of your growing up. Yeah, and, and to be honest, you know, it, it's not much different from what everyone else was going through as well. I don't want to make, you know, it, it was everyday life. And um, as you said there, it was because of COVID. Um, now, you know, I'm 72 now in a couple of weeks' time, unfortunately. But I, I, it's only a number now. I'm active and fit and all the rest of it. But um, I did stay in a lot because of COVID. And I'd been meaning to write a book because... Many people have said to me that some of the things I've gone through should be in a book, you know, or a number of books. But, um, yeah, I suppose um, all those things uh, that I met, that you mentioned there, now I've been hijacked several times. I've been shot at twice. And uh, the book now is time to be 
several weeks, if not a month, before Bloody Sunday. Mm. I, I didn't want to write about Bloody Sunday just at this point yet. I didn't think that was quite right yet. But Bloody, I was there on Bloody Sunday and everybody was shot at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Thousands of people. Um, I do have a brother, Jimmy, who's the, he's retired, but he's manager of the Museum for Free Dairy. And he had, he had an incredible story to tell about um, what happened to him on Bloody Sunday. And uh, he, he was one of the witnesses you know, at the tribunal that, in, that investigated Bloody Sunday before it was, you know, the British government apologized for what happened. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but Jimmy, Jimmy, myself and another brother ran like everybody else. And fortunately, because I lived within less than 10 minutes walk from Roswell Street, where Bloody Sunday occurred, well, less than 10 minutes walk, when people are shooting at you, you know, that was about two to three minutes running. Mm. So me and another brother got away, but Jimmy got caught. He was stuck behind a small wall with two other men. And uh, the young fella stepped out, and he was shot. He looked dead. He did die shortly after that. He was on the ground. Now, there was another man, a taller man, and he said to Jimmy, we've got to go out to pull him in. We've got to go out. And uh, he says, I'll hold up my hands, and he won't shoot. And he held up his hands and stepped out, and he was shot dead straight away. And um, my brother was stuck there for a while. And it affected him badly. I think, he, uh, as far as I remember, he lost his voice for a day or two. But um, I'd say that, that'll lead me back and mention something about the book. Now, Jimmy runs the Museum for Free Dairy, and that's getting great acclaim all over the world. It's a wonderful thing to visit. To, and it'll show you both sides, if you know what I mean. Yes. And there's, there's all it's um, it's uh, unbiased. I think it's just the truth. Everything yes. goes on. But um, but Jimmy, the Jimmy's story is that, that maybe for another volume down the road. Let's yeah yeah yeah, yeah because uh, I'll tell you as I said, you see before COVID. I, I never wanted to watch any of the programs on TV about the troubles. I didn't really know about it at all. It was only when I started writing that it, it all came back to me. I remembered then, you know. Mm. But I wanted to talk, you know, about the light side of it. You know, yes. people outside might think that um, uh, that it's um, like a dark humor. But the dairy people always had a reputation of having a good sense of humor, you know. And we would laugh. If you didn't laugh, you would crack up, you know. Because yes. like, in those days, they didn't have counselors and all the rest of it. And there was terrible things happening every day, you know, mm. every day. And, and that's true to say that in the book, there's love and laughter among uh, amongst yeah. the bedlam that was going on then. Tell me about this story. You, you Your main character is Cormac, a young Catholic entrepreneur. And he's torn between two lovers, as the song goes one from each side of the religious divide. Yes. What, would that be an unusual, you know, love, you know, uh, across the barricades? Was that unusual? No, definitely not. But there was all sorts of, of uh, problems arose from it. Now, for example, I, I lived in what's called Blucher Street, the absolute centre of the bog. My father had a small shop there for 50, 50 years. Now, there's a lovely young girl, you know, when I was young, lived across the street, and her father was a Knights of Malta man. And um, she married, she fell in love with a Protestant from the other side of, of Derry. At the time, it was divided. You know, the Protestants were more or less on the, more or less on the other side of the River Foyle, mm. bar the ones who were up around 
Bishop Street near the near the the jail. Now, I'll find, some people might know the lady Derry, so I'll be careful how I say this. But anyway, this lady she fell fell in love and married a Protestant. But as far as I I heard, she her house was burned down. She had to move out of the area. Mm. And uh, that was terrible. Yeah. Uh, and actually, myself, as a young single man, um, I met a couple of Scottish girls in my time. One was a Catholic and one was a Protestant. And no problems with the Catholic uh, Scottish girl. But when I met the Protestant Scottish girl, and we were having a great time, you know, you can out for a drink in the evening and all. Yeah. And this is only the uh, way at the beginning of the troubles, I think, yeah. And um, but she didn't. She had heard about what went on, but she didn't believe it. And I actually did say, "Well, come on, I'll go up and I'll show you what it's like on the other side." Now, part of the, the I don't need to spoil anybody's uh, story, but part of the story is around around that too. But I did take a, a girl up uh, the fountain. It's called, and, and it's an area that's bedecked with you no know, the Union Jacks and the footpaths are painted red, white, and blue, and they've all these things. F the Pope, you know, flags and all. Yeah. And you just wouldn't go in. But I went down and I was very foolish. I think I had a drink in me, to be honest. Now, I think it's uh, bravado. And um, as soon as they saw me, they knew, first of all, I was a stranger. And secondly, they knew to look at me that I was a Catholic. At that time, the Catholics would nearly know a Protestant looking at them and vice versa. And um, I got a terrible kick and she ran off and screamed. <laughs> and um, she went back to Scotland. But um, yeah, and funnily enough, times. in those days, now the RUC might be totally different from the police force nowadays. Yeah? But um, I was on the ground getting a terrible kicking from a whole crowd of guys, and uh, I felt a curl up, and I felt the the load getting lighter, and and blood in my eyes not. But as I looked up, there was three police officers, and I said, "Oh, thanks, thanks, mate." I says, "You're no effing mate of ours. What are you doing up here?" Mm. And we'll count to ten, and then we're letting them at you again, something like that. And I had to run to the end of the street to get out. But yeah. I, I shouldn't. I'll try and I should probably talk about general things. And cause yeah, but but you know little, what? Um, you know what it shows, Harry. It does show you a time that there just was no trickster between, and you were vulnerable if you appeared in one side or, or, or the other. You know when you say that people recognise, isn't that an amazing thing? We're all like similar looking and everything. You know what I mean? We're most people there were white people, you know, in, in terms of skin colour. How would they det- determine y- your fate from how you looked? It is it is strange, but you ask anybody in Northern Ireland, everybody will agree. You can always tell a Protestant looking at them. Now, there are easy characteristics, you know, generally. Yeah. Uh, and now we're going back years now. Slightly different now. I'll tell you why. But going back years ago... Um, Protestants were generally speaking usually better dressed and clean okay. and tidy. Yes. Yes. They, they might have red hair or freckles or something like that. So you'd certainly know by the name or the yep. school that they went to. Yeah. Whether they said Derry or London Derry, you know, those are obvious things. Yes. But, uh, but I'll tell you, no, it would, might not be the case now because I, I remember um, I used to say that. Growing up, like it was Beirut, uh, you know, uh, where we were, you know, there's burnings and hijackings and every day and black clouds going up with bombs going off in the city centre and all that rest of it. But nowadays it's more like Beirut in the south of France. Okay, I was up there just before COVID and Derry is beautiful. And yeah. on my Facebook page, I try to show people that you know what Derry is like now mm. with the, the yachts and the river foil and the speedboats and people 
skiing and the tall ships in the summer and if you go for a walk down by the River Foyle there's a beautiful walkway there's little bistros where you can sit outside and have a glass of wine or, or a cup of coffee it's beautiful absolutely beautiful so it's just a different time you know it's great to hear that it is great to hear that and that's the way it should be and long may that progress continue all over but going back to the book and, and what you write about as you say, in in the midst of this, there was still humour. <clears throat> there was love in the midst of it as well, despite those awful, awful times. Did you ever believe when you were in there that, you know, this would be, uh, this would come to an end, that it would be over and the changes would happen? Do you know, it's funny you say that because, no, it was just a way of life. Mm. It's a way of life. It just went on and on because I noticed... Um, you know, one of the descriptions of the book, it's described as taking place in a nationalist ghetto in Northern Ireland, right? But, you know, it was only when I was reading that I realised I never knew it was a ghetto. Nobody ever told me it was a ghetto. We were happy. We were happy growing up, you know? Yeah. And we were the best of friends. And, it, like, the pleasure would be simple compared to nowadays. Like, you wouldn't have your iPads and your smartphones. You'd be out playing in the street or going for a drink in the pub just in an ordinary way, uh, except that the pubs would probably be inside the bog side. You wouldn't go outside too often. Yeah? Yes, yeah. So no. you knew where you were and that you were safe uh, where you were out for a drink or, or whatever. Look, um, I, I just wanted to catch up with you today to mention the book. Where can people get hold of it? Uh, on Amazon, Amazon.co.uk or Amazon.com, and you, you can download a, an, an e-book or you can order a paperback. And um, at the moment, it's not in the shops yet, but it's on Amazon for anybody. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people get it on Kindle Unlimited, where they can get it free. Do you, know, you know how that works? You know, I think people pay a monthly fee, and you can yes. read as many books as you want. As you want. So it's like there that. too. So it is. Anyway, for somebody who uh, of a, a more recent generation who might not understand what the times were like. For those who lived through the times and can look back now and compare it with what you've said, the Derry of today, it's a, a fascinating read. Veil of Deception by Harry Toy is the name of the book. Keep on writing. You've done really good with this one. We look forward to volume two. Derry, by one last thing. Do you know about Drogheda? If Derry can change from Beirut to Beirutz, you know that place in the south of France? Yeah. Imagine what you could do with Drogheda, such a beautiful, historic town that it should be a tourism mecca. You know, I, I used to recommend it uh, all over the world. You know, I, I work with a Christian ministry, and at one time uh, we were coordinating a thousand churches across America and the UK. But I did a whole story on Drogheda, it's on the website. And I think Drogheda is a great city to be proud of, or town, I suppose they call it. You know, so you could do great things with Drogheda. If Derry can do it, Drogheda can do it, you know? Yeah, the newest uh, tourism ambassador just uh, designated today on LMFM's late lunch, Harry Toy. There's a new role for you. Anyway, I'll be back to you to talk about the fivefold ministry one day because I'm curious to find out more about that. But for the moment, we leave it there. Well worth reading, Veil of Deception by Harry Toy. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Jerry. God Take bless. care, Bye-bye. Happy birthday, Nicole Kelleher. You're from Dramiskin in County Louth, and all your family are sending you good wishes, especially your gran and granddad, and they want to thank uh, June and John for the lovely meal as well. Yes, they happy birthday, Nicole. And on the subject of birthday, sure, I have to wish a big happy birthday to 
little Ava Flynn. Yes, Ava, my granddaughter, my oldest granddaughter, was seven yesterday. Can you believe that she's seven? Yes, it was her birthday yesterday and she's having her birthday party in a couple of weeks. They have the bouncy castle and all that because they're busy with the other little one, Olivia, at the moment. But she had a great day yesterday with the folks in Dulik and called into ourselves as well and marked the day, yes, the 27th of March when she arrived. And I know little Ava, she loves, yeah, oh, she loves this place. Ed Sheeran and this is our favourite Ed Sheeran song so for all the birthday girls out there and especially Miss Ava Flynn here's Ed Especially for Miss Ava Flynn, who celebrated her seventh birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Ava, from all of the family. And she has a big party coming up in two weeks' time. Louise, did you see that story about... Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Landlines. We love talking to people on landlines, don't we? Yeah. If you have a landline, it's great. But as you know, landlines, very few people... Have them. It's fair to say yeah. you have, people have them for the broadband. You need one for broadband. But actually making or receiving calls seems to be a thing of the past. They're on the way back, landlines. Why? I think it's because of what you just said there. The Working mobile from home the, and better signal. More solid signal. Now, the one thing about a landline, remember this, unlike your mobile, you can see, oh, I'm not answering that. Look who's ringing me again. You know yourself. You know yourself. You, know you yourself. can get phones, though, that show the ID caller. Yeah, but most phones, when it rings, you just answer. Remember years ago, you answered, hello. You wouldn't know who hello? the hell was Sorry? on the phone. Sorry? Who are you? I've lost you. Or if you wanted, that was a great one of ours. Hello, Chinese. Yes. What's your order? <laughs> Do you remember that acting the mess with the phones? But they're on the way back. The New York Times reported for the first time they see an upsurge in the amount of people who are installing landlines and using them mm. for telephone calls as Remember well. Years ago, your parents used to get a lock for the phone. <laughs> for the landline. Listen, listen. In our house, we couldn't afford a lock. What are you talking about for the phone? <laughs> <laughs> Take the receiver uh, off. Jesus, I, re- I remember when we got a phone. I remember when we got our first phone at home in our house. It was like, it was fan. It was just the joy <laughs> of having a telephone in your... We have a telephone, you know. We have a telephone, telling everybody. Nowadays, when you look at the power of that thing, look, I have it in my hand, that iPhone, what that thing can do. Yeah. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It really is. Anyway, they're on the way back. We may see that trend emerging in this country as well but reported by don't have by to run up to the phone box anymore <laughs> that's all gone now too yeah the AB put your money in there bink then you lose your money and you're disconnected you remember all that mm-hmm. stuff with the pay ones and the nonsense that used to go on by god it is a different world anyway we're heading towards news weather and sport at 3 o'clock and late lunch afterwards I bring you the first song from my soundtrack I promise you love it this week now my soundtrack oh, before I go on to the soundtrack uh, John's been on to say Oh, Jerry, the years are pushing on. They certainly are. And John, if you know anyone that they're going in the other direction with, let me know because I'd love to talk to them on late lunch. We'd all love to talk to them if it was going in the other direction. Thanks for your message. Anyway, my soundtrack this week is from a musical. It is a movie now, but it originally began life as a musical. And in quite recent times, really, Mamma Mia! 
is based, of course, on the songs of ABBA. And it was written by playwright, English playwright, Catherine Johnson, involving three members of ABBA, Benny, Bjorn and Anna Fried. However, it was the brainchild of producer Judy Kramer who commissioned Johnson to write the story and engaged the ABBA trio to become involved. Work began in 1997 with the musical opening at the Prince Edward Theatre in London's West End on the 6th of April 1999 and it ran consistently in London until March 2020 when it closed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. It has reopened last August and is now the sixth longest running play on the West End in London. Mamma Mia has been staged on all six continents and more than 50 countries and it's believed that in excess of 65 million people have seen the show, making it one of the most popular musicals of all time. I can vouch for that. It's simply brilliant. Went to see it ourselves when in New York a few years back at the Winter Garden Theatre there, and it was absolutely fabulous. And we loved it because of songs like these. If you change your mind Take a chance On the first in line On the arms still free Take a chance on me If you need me Let me know Gonna be around Yes, I'm featuring songs from the soundtrack of the musical Mamma Mia all this week on Late Lunch, so it will be uh, the fantastic music of ABBA round about this time each afternoon. Final break of this Monday on the show, and it goes without saying that accessing uh, disability services and supports for children is never, ever easy. And a group in Louth are relaunching and rebranding this day week. And we're going to hear about it next. Dundalk parents and friends of the intellectually disabled have been supporting families in the County Louth area for over 50 years. They're changing their name, they're rebranding and they're launching this night week. To tell me more, joining me now is Owen Bailey, chairperson of the newly named Inclusion Louth. Hello, Owen. Hello, Jerry. Thanks for having us on. Not at all. You're welcome. Why this change at this time? Uh, Jerry, we've been operating for 50 years uh, as an association in support of families with uh, disabilities. And we felt that uh, it was become uh, time that the, the name that we had was probably not appropriate with the change in terminology with um, for people with intellectual disabilities. And we wanted to focus on uh, the what people can do rather than what they can't do and hence the new name Inclusion Loud. And you're going to throw your net further afield in the weekend. I know you've helped people all over the county anyway, but does that give you a, a more county-inclusive uh, uh, image and look as well? Absolutely, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Initially, we would have been, or way back, we would have been um, the parents of friends of St Mary's from Carr. Yes. And then we, more or less, then in the last... Uh, couple of decades we, we focused it in, in the Dundalk area but we always had yeah. uh, families that we supported uh, right throughout the county yes. so we began to realise now and of course with, with advanced technology and meetings um, uh, you know online meetings and so forth people don't have to travel as much for meetings and they can get support on the mm. uh, on the internet so we've, we are broadening our scope to include um, families of, of people with uh, milder disabilities yes. uh, children, children with developmental delays and so forth. Um, and we are, you know, obviously broadening our um, group to uh, focus in on the greater than the dark area into County Louth. 
because we always did have families coming from, say, RD and Midlows, but maybe perhaps not Drogheda. Yes, so it's uh, all-inclusive. The name says it in its own right now. It's inclusive of the whole county. I said before you came on, just before the break there, that, you know, accessing services for families and children, it's always been a battle, hasn't it, over the years. Is it getting any easier, or must you have uh, advocacy and voices and a group like yours to get what really people should get uh, w- without having to lobby for? Absolutely, Jerry. The, 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 the situation at the moment is particularly for younger families are experiencing great stress and disappointment uh, in dealing with accessing disability services, assessment, um, uh, speech therapy, occupational therapies and all these things. Whereas a lot of uh, families of with people who are, are, are of the older generation mm. um, are, are, are in services now and are settled and, and, you know, they're quite happy. And one of the reasons for that is because of the activities of parent support groups over the years. Yes. You know, I could give you examples of things that we've achieved, you know, in the 50 years that we've been operating um, under various titles, you know, but uh, workshops, uh, the workshop on Hilltop, uh, you know, occupy, um, residential buildings in Dundalk and, and surrounding areas. Yep. Uh, Coulter Place is a new development, a housing development. Uh, respite houses and respite places are Lee House in, in, in Dundalk as well. So without the families pushing for these services and lobbying politicians and, you know, effectively yeah. requesting uh, support, I think, unfortunately, mm. uh, it's not going to happen. Oh, you are so right. I, I know it myself. It, it is a fact that if you uh, weren't there, what would the uh, what would be there? And you name just but a, a few of them there that you've been involved in that have delivered for people. It should be a right, but but it's not. So w- next week, this day week, I want to remind people you're getting together at the Fairways Hotel, the beautiful new Fairways in Dundalk, the Carlingford Suite. It's only a hop up the motorway from wherever you come in County Louth at eight o'clock. What's the aim? Well, the aim is that we want to attract uh, families of younger people, a new generation, to take a stand uh, for improved services to continue uh, because we we need people to stand up because we know from experience that, and particularly with the the current economic climate with the Ukraine war and COVID and so forth, resources, government resources are very tight. And and if families don't stand up for services, particularly for the younger children, then they won't be available. So we're offering an opportunity for people to come along uh, to to our relaunched association uh, and meet other parents, meet other families, uh, and 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 get their shoulders to the wheel to some extent, and uh, you know help each other. Ah, that's uh, so important, and that networking, as you know, I don't have to remind you that when you get into this network, it is invaluable. Uh, the assistance and help that's there, and you know there there's a, a lot of other people in the same boat, and you're with like-minded people. So it's next Monday. That's this day week, the fourth of April at eight o'clock in the Fairways Hotel. Do people have to uh, let you know they're coming, or can they just show up on the night? No, no, there's no need to let us know. We're just uh, pleased we'd be very, very welcome to come along. Uh, there will be some refreshments there, and we have some politicians who uh, have expressed interest in coming along. So maybe that's an opportunity for people to press the flesh, as it were, and, and to make their case uh, for continued and improved services. And some service providers may also turn up. Uh, they'd be very, very welcome to come along. There will be some refreshments as well, and it will be quite informal. It's not mm. going to be yeah. a, a lot of speeches or a lot of, you know, it's more a meet and greet and, and as I say, an opportunity for people to come together um, and, and to help as a self-help group.
and you won't be roped into a job. That's the big thing. <laughs> you know, people are going along thinking, oh, geez, I'm going along then, I'm going to be... There's no, no such thing as that. They just want to touch no, base no, we with have a very, we have a very I know good that. committee. I know uh, you have. Who, yeah, are, yeah. who are willing to carry on the, carry on the mantle. Yes, 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 of course, of course. Anyway, in the meantime, you can email Owen or Mary Connolly, the secretary there, inclusionloud.gmail.com. That's inclusionloud.gmail.com. And you can find them on Facebook too, inclusionloud. You're fantastic people you've done a great job you will do a great job going forward and i wish you well with the relaunch and i'm sure you're going to have plenty of new faces and new blood coming to you over the weeks months and years ahead thank you for joining me own thank you jerry appreciate it not at all take care of yourself that's own bailey there chairperson of the new inclusion louth that's it for today. Tomorrow on Late Lunch, Conor McCauley, he's a young man from County Meath and he's found it difficult to get about. He'll tell you why tomorrow. Uh, Maria Acuna Gonzalez is joining us along with a, a refugee from Syria, very timely at this time with what's going on in the Ukraine. Sally Ann Cooney from Boan Distillery is with us and we'll have you at two on Tuesday. Eddie's next. Here's Louis Capaldi. See you tomorrow. Losing light I'm missing my Same old us Before we learned our truth Too late It's that time of the year Your vacation is coming up You can already hear the beach waves Feel the warm breeze Relax And think about Work you really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.